Good evening, and welcome to the lineup. I'm your host, Rick Goff. Joining me tonight is my co-host, Anthony Grassi. Anthony, how you doing? Rick, good to be back. We are coming to you live from the Athletic Sports Group Studios here in Louisville, Kentucky. We were off last week. I was driving back from an event out in South Carolina, and uh, we decided that it was probably in the best interest to take, take last week off and regroup, and here we are. We're back again. Happy to be back, baby. So what did you do with your week off? Not much. Not much? Just went home a little earlier. Getting, uh, you got that new house going, so you, yes. you're getting that all situated? Yeah, I guess I got to spend an extra hour in the new house, and I don't, to be honest, I don't even remember what we accomplished. If I accomplished anything in my extra hour, probably just sat there and stared at my phone and probably shouldn't have, but here we well, are. Enjoy that, because as you progress in your new marriage and your new house, the honey-do list will... It's already running. Oh, it's already running. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. She learned early, right? Oh, well, we've been together forever, so it's not new, new stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get caught up, man. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, hopefully, we get to everything. I know the last couple of shows that we've done, we've uh, gotten busy in in depth into a lot of topics, and we end up running out of time by the end of the show. So let's uh, let's get it kicked off, and we'll start off with the weekend recap oh actually before we do that i want to remind you guys that we are still taking um submissions for top plays for may and we'll run those here in a few weeks so if you guys encounter a top play defensive play home run um dramatic home run send it to us we'd like to see it you can email us at the lineup at athletics.com and uh, we'll compile our top 10 as we do every month, and we will broadcast that here. We're coming up in a few weeks. Also, the last thing before we get into the recap is it's that time of year, Anthony, and our rankings, our midseason rankings, will be out next Monday right here live. We'll debut them live right here on the lineup. Can't wait. I know there's, I imagine there are a lot of teams looking forward to this. Uh, the rankings haven't been unveiled to me. They're under lock and key on Rick's computer, I guess. Uh, so we are looking eagerly looking forward to unveiling those to you guys next week. Well, we're going to be finishing them up this week. Uh, we had to take into consideration some events that took place this past week. And so there'll be some tweaks made. And I was looking it over from the preseason rankings to now, and there's, there's a lot of shakeup. As we thought they, as we knew they would be. As there should be. Yeah, I mean, things progress, change, and a lot of movement's gonna gonna happen. So, I'm sure some teams will be happy, some will be mad, but that's just the way it is. As always. Well, let's start off with uh, the recap from the shipyard down in South Carolina last week. It was in a TBS event, and we had quite a few ranked teams that were in there, and and. Man, I tell you what, it was good uh, to be out there at the shipyard. If you've never experienced a shipyard, it's a, it's a beautiful place to play five diamonds uh, right on the water. And that's probably my only knock about the place. There's only five fields. That's all you got. Um, but we saw some exciting games, which uh, you don't see happen a lot once you reach the championship games because of the way pitching goes and the teams play. Usually the championship games are anticlimactic. But that wasn't the case in South Carolina. Um, we'll start out in the 13-year-old division where we had honorable mention uh, Kane Southeast from Georgia. They run ruled every team they played in the event until the championship game. 
and they ended up facing the East Cobb Astros Navy in a game that went nine innings at the 13-year-old age level. Uh, an exciting game. And Astros Navy actually took a three-run lead in the top of the ninth and, and couldn't hang on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Canes came back in dramatic fashion and scored four in the bottom of the ninth. Um, capped off by a clutch uh, two-run single by Dylan Black that played at the tying and go-ahead go ahead runs in the, in the bottom of the ninth uh, and as the Canes ended up winning 8-7. to seven. So that was an exciting game. Definitely. Um, a lot of atmosphere around that game. Both teams are from Georgia, so it was, uh, it was fun to be around. I watched it, and it was uh, very exciting. Move on to the 12-year-old division. We had four of our ranked teams there. Uh, we had number one, East Cobb Astros Orange, number eight, SBA Futures, and then we had honorable mentions, Line Drive Black and the East Cobb Astros Navy. And going into the tournament, Astros sported a 44-0 record. They hadn't lost all year. Wow. Yeah, they were chasing uh, the Canes from last year, as you remember, that went yes. through the season undefeated. Well, it didn't, didn't work out for the Astros. Uh, they actually ended up losing in pool play to line drive black. Uh, another good game that uh, saw the Astros fall, and, and, uh, but they didn't knock them out of the tournament. It just affected their seating. And they came back. Uh, they came back and ended up winning the event. They come back through the bracket play and ended up winning, and they ended up avenging that loss to line drive in the finals. So now they they set with one loss, and uh, you know we'll keep an eye on them the rest of the season. Absolutely, and we'll see if that one loss affects their midseason rankings. What a teaser! What a teaser! <laughs> the eleven-year-old division saw number three backyard ballers black out of Texas. Um, they faced off with TBS number seven, Next Level Prospects, and this game didn't disappoint. Next Level jumped out to an early 2-0 lead, only to see the ballers battle back and take a two-run lead into the top of the sixth. Next Level didn't give up, and they hit a mammoth two-run home run uh, in the top of the sixth to tie the game and send it in extra innings. Next Level pushed across two in the top of the eighth, and held off a very good ballers team six to four in eight innings. So another extra inning affair uh, in the eleven-year-old age group. Uh, this game went eight innings, and it took less than two hours to play. How is that possible? I, I tell you what, when when you get teams of this quality facing off, Anthony, good pitching, good defense, not a lot of walks, not a lot of errors. It goes by fast and. They went eight innings and played in less than two hours. And again, another game that I got to watch and just thoroughly enjoy watching those types of games. I don't care if they're 11, they're 9, they're 13. It doesn't matter. Good game's a good game. Um, 10U was dominated by the the TBS number 20 SBA Nationals. It was probably the only division that was a little uh, unclimactic, I guess, as, as if that's a word. Line drive black, put up a great fight. Uh, but the Nationals, they were just too deep with their pitching and their roster, and and uh, Nationals went 4-0 on the weekend and, and winning the 10-year-old division. Nine-year-old championship game, though, that was a back-and-forth game that saw four lead changes in six innings wow. between nine-year-olds, right? And uh, But the Dirtbags Black from North Carolina held off line drive blue 12-10 to in the finals. Um, Dirtbags coach John Massey uh, commented, 
that he thought he had two or three heart attacks during the game <laughs> uh, watching these nine-year-olds make plays and, and do things. So an exciting weekend for everybody. Um, you know, it was beautiful weather. It was 78 and sunny every day out there by the ocean. So teams had a good time. I had a good time. It was uh, it was enjoyable. So congratulations to all those guys out at the shipyard last week. All right. Now we get to recap our adopted person here at, at uh, lineup. Yeah. And you found some interesting information. Um, oh, we got a fumble here in the studio. We're going to reset here real quick. But you got some interesting information on the ground that I, I wasn't aware of. And uh, I want you to share that with our audience. Yes. Yeah, so here, we'll throw these up on the screen real quick. So this uh, article came out last week as Jacob deGrom's dominance on the mound continues, but the Mets' woes as a team continue around him playing. Um, So deGrom leads the Major major Leagues by a wide margin in quality starts that did not result in a win over the last three years, putting up 40 quality starts that result in neither a no decision or a loss. The next closest starting pitcher posted 25. And, and I noticed that graph, it, it's all bundled up right there. 20, 21, 23, 24, 25, and then 40. 40. <laughs> so, you know, our interpretation of DeGrom is not made up in our heads. I mean, this is a legit thing. Yeah, we're not just finding, I guess we might be, we're finding the statistics that make our argument for us, but uh, we're not the only ones finding those statistics f- to support the same argument. That's incredible. And then the next uh, chart we found was the run support that DeGrom has been getting over that same time period. It's staggering to see this and he's, again, all by his lonesome in this bottom left corner of the lowest end of run support and the lowest ERA over the last three years. It, it is baffling to see. The, it, we, these are all things that we've known. We've talked about it ad nauseum. But to see it is a different. So explain this chart to me here a little bit. The, the, the number on the left side, that's the run support per nine for DeGrom. So he's getting right about four runs in a game. Per nine. And per nine. Over, and in the, over the last three years. And he is giving up less than two. Less, a touch less than two earned runs per nine. I'm shocked that the run support is that high, honestly. I'm, I'm surprised. I thought it would be lower. Yeah, it does seem, I mean, and obviously if, if we were to put this season's on there, it'd be, he'd be off the chart on the bottom. But, yeah, over the course of, I guess, three years, uh, let's see, eight, for what it's worth, 18, which is, this date is 18 through 21, 18 was the year he won the Cy Young. Cy Young. So he had, so he had some support, I guess, enough for people to recognize that he... So. For, for baseball fans like me, when I look at this chart, Anthony, and I see that he's getting a, a, a run support of about four and giving up less than two, I would assume he's winning 65, 70, 75% of his games. But I that, would too, but I guess it's also... The bullpen's failing him. That too, and there's probably also outliers in there where they might score nine on a 
the luckiest of days, in which case you might want to go buy a lottery oh, right. ticket. <laughs> right. for, for every one of those games, there's a couple of games where they put up a goose egg. I would love to see somebody interview DeGrom and go, you know, if, if your team scored you six runs, how would you feel? Like the luckiest man on earth. Right. You'd feel like the luckiest man on earth. Well, he did pitch one time since our last show, and, and what, what did he do in that outing? So he got a win. Uh, hey, he got a win. Four to two against... Arizona went five innings, six Ks, gave up one hit and one earned run. So solid outing. The Mets actually gave him the right on the average that we just right showed. On the average. Four, run, four, four and two. <laughs> four runs in support uh, and two against for the Mets. Um, and then on the season, that brings his total to a three and three average, or three and three record with a .68 ERA and 65 strikeouts on the year. I, point six eight and he's three and three. God Almighty, that's just that's just crazy. Point six eight and that include his ERA went up after the last start because he gave up one singular <laughs> one, run. It ballooned, yeah, right? It went up from I think it was like point five one. <coughs> I think it was a point five one before. Well, we were debating whether he 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 got actually he pulled he got pulled out of that outing. He had uh, some tightness in his rib cage. And we thought that he went on the DL, but we actually we looked and he did not go on the on the DL or the IL, whatever they call it nowadays. So hopefully he'll, he'll pitch later this week and, um, you know, we'll have some stuff to talk about next Monday with him because it's to me and I've talked to some people. I actually talked to some people in uh, Charleston that commented on how they watched the show and, and they love the updates that we give on DeGrom and it it's something they didn't notice until we pointed it out to them well, yeah, and imagine, we've heard that a little bit yeah imagine if you're not a Mets fan you're watching who's watching every day watching all, every game sure something you might not know certainly we didn't until we adopted him as our son on this show or player or whatever we want to we need to figure out an actual title of yeah him, but uh yeah it's 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 Every week we will come onto the show and we talk about it, and it's still insane. Every week the numbers that he's putting up compared to his record. He had in that stat he had six on the year. Was that he was sixty five strikeouts and his ERA was point six eight. Yes. So he's matching his strikeouts for his ERA there. Just about. Well, speaking of strikeouts, um, something happened about a week ago that is a rare feat in baseball, college baseball, pro baseball. Little League Baseball, you name it. And that was Kumar Rocker. For those of you that didn't see it, Kumar Rocker had an outing last week where he struck out four batters in one inning. Now, you say to yourself, well, that's an amazing feat, right? I mean, that's that's a, that's an impressive feat because we all know that there's a drop third strike involved and all that. And normally when something like that happens, pitchers get a little distracted. They lose focus and... It may lead to a big inning, but not in this case. Uh, but that's not where the story ends. He not only struck out four, but he did it on the minimum number of pitches that is needed to do so, which is 12. You told me this before we started recording. This might, that might be the wildest part of the whole thing. It, no, it is the wildest part. So Kumar goes out there, throws 12 pitches, all strikes, Strikes out all four batters. And incredible. That's incredible. It, I mean, this is high level D1 baseball. And, and like I said before, I, I don't care if you do it in 
in rec ball or travel ball or high school ball, pro ball. That's an that's impressive. And it's 12 pitches, 12 strikes. As a pitching coach, you got to be beaming like, hey, I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> taking all the credit. <laughs> He's taking all the credit, right? So um, if you guys get a chance, check that out. It was pretty impressive. I watched it two or three times. Again, it was a drop third strike uh, to get the runner on base. It allows him to strike out four. Four in one inning. Uh, and listen, striking out four has happened before naturally, but 12 pitches, that's uh, – that's pretty impressive. Oh, yes. That's pretty impressive. All right. That's uh, something else that we're going to talk about. Uh, this guy didn't strike out a lot. And this is one of those um, feel-good stories that comes to you from, from Michigan, my home state. And this is 81-year-old uh, Fred Robinson. I'm not sure where Fred's from. Uh, but uh, it's in the metro Detroit area. And he wanted to celebrate his 81st birthday by taking swings off of an iron mic machine. Now, if you don't know what an iron mic machine is, that's the, the machine that you feed the balls into and, and you go to a batting cage and they spit them out to you and you get to take your swings. And this was set up by a friend of mine, Tom DePonio, out of Michigan and uh, his organization and his complex here, the Precision Patriots, and they granted Fred his wish and allowed him to take some swings off the iron mic. And there was a video that, unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't get to download, but it took a video of him taking his swings, and he did not miss, he did not miss a pitch. So I don't think Kumar Rocker would have blew 12 pitches by, <laughs> by good old Fred there. And... So, Fred, from all of us at uh, Travel Ball Select and Athletic Sports Group, happy 81st birthday. I'm glad you got to take your swings off the iron mic, and uh, kudos to Tom DePonio for making sure that happens. Now, Anthony, you don't know about the next thing that we're going to talk about. That is true. On our agenda here, it just says surprise. It says surprise. I I am eager to see what this is. And the reason it's a surprise, because it was frankly a surprise to me, that I did not realize how multi-talented that you were. Okay. And I am I'm impressed with the video that was sent to me a few times of you kicking field goals. <laughs> yes. Where did you see this? I, of you kicking field goals in Dallas, Texas. Yes. So... Tell us a story about this. What so, happened? Well, so uh, I was in, this was the first weekend in May. Uh, I was visiting some family in Dallas. Um, my mom's side of the family is in Dallas. And so um, my wife and I went out there for the weekend. And my wife is a very, very staunch Cowboys fan. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I am a very strong uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan. Oh boy! So there is a rivalry in our household since the mo- from the moment that we met each other ten years ago. That has been a key thing in our relationship that we are butting heads over, which now, is and it's all. Now but, listen, yeah. th- this is the same Philadelphia Eagle fan base that booed Santa Claus, right? I mean, this is that's the rumor that they booed Santa Claus. Yes. So that has a heated rivalry. I mean, that could have really kept you guys from getting married that rivalry so intense 
Yeah, I guess it could have if it was if it was negative in any way. Yes, but, but now it's all, now it's all about bragging rights. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Um, and so you don't you don't have to get into details, but there's <laughs> got to be some friendly wagers that go on in the Crossy household now when that game None, plays. Yeah, more just more just talking trash for the next however many weeks until the next game <laughs> or until the next season starts. All right, sorry. Um, so continue. I'm sorry. And so we went out for the weekend and. I'm a huge football fan, and we've my grandparents live on the way to their house from the airport. We always pass AT&T Stadium, and I haven't been to a game in AT&T Stadium when I was like 12. Me and my dad for Christmas one year, like I was probably I was probably around 12. Me and my dad and my grandpa and uncle, the four of us, went to the Cowboys Eagles game on Christmas Day in Old Texas Stadium, Mm. which is like a quarter of the size of this new stadium. And as a 12-year-old getting booed and having people yell at you and heckle you, it's pretty entertaining, I must say. <laughs> Nonetheless, so we take the tour of AT&T Stadium. My aunt set it all up, and um, we picked my cousin up from school, took toward the stadium. We were walking around, and the stadium is immaculate. If you're ever in Dallas and have an extra Beautiful stadium. hour, by all means, it's a Beautiful. M- monument. I've, took it, so, I've taken the tour. It's, it's awesome. Incredible. Uh, and so we were, went through the whole tour and then it finishes on the field and me and my cousin, we got down on the field. We're like, dang, we're really you knew that because we would have brought a football or bought a football beforehand. So we were like, oh, whatever. We're taking pictures, doing whatever. Uh, and then we're just hanging out and I was, I was taking some pictures and my cousin was really eager to get a football and start going. So I said, all right, Dom, go and try to see if we can go back up to the store and then come back down, whatever. He goes ask the security guy. The security guy has an extra football. So we start slinging it around. And my cousin started taking a couple kicks. I was like, all right, I'll try one. Now, for background, I kicked in high school. Oh, okay. So I, I, know that. I, I have some experience. So you this. got some experience. I played soccer for a long time. I oh, kicked okay. Nice, so I had some experience in this. But I was wearing, um, like, Joggers, yeah, and I saw the video. Sneakers that definitely didn't actually fit right, and yeah, felt real good. Felt incredible. Nailed it right down the. You middle. did. I saw the video and yep. and didn't. I was it the first to, try. First try, and I I thought to myself, I'm gonna back this up and try it again. But I knew if no, I did that, your head. I was either gonna lose my shoe or I was gonna yank it into the bleachers, and then the guy was gonna lose the ball or whatever. Quit, quit while you're ahead. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, that's why that that's something you you'll never forget. That's pretty exciting. Very. All right. Unfortunately, uh, some things transpired over the last time that we did our show. That um, the only way I can describe it is is a tragedy in in youth baseball, and, and there was actually two things that that took place. They are just devastating both in their own way uh, the first one is the Reinhardt brothers Rex and Brody out of Florida that were that tragically lost their life in a fire in a house fire um, that shocked the the travel baseball world not only in Florida but across the country because they played on teams that were very well known uh, Rex played Rex played for the Florida Heat 14-year-olds and Brody played for the 11U Gator Ball 
out of Florida. They were well known around the Florida area and uh, our heart goes out to them. And we had uh, both boys um, play in an event of ours that uh, Coach Tabor, who fills on this show every once in a while, and and uh, we reached out to Coach Tabor for a comment. And, and Grassy, you got that comment from Coach Tabor. Yeah, and we were uh, – our baseball elite teams uh, were playing this past weekend, and um, all sh- Coach Tabor on his own came up with the idea of, um, as you can see on screen, uh, embroidering uh, the boys' initials onto our jerseys to – you know, remember them. Um, and Coach Tabor um, tra- was traveling back today, um, so he couldn't join us to make a statement. But on behalf of baseball youth, um, he wanted to thank all the boys that were out playing for Baseball Youth Elite this weekend, representing uh, the Reinhardt brothers on their jerseys um, and fought hard all weekend in their memory. And our thoughts all across the Athletic Sports Group family are with the Reinhardt family. Yeah, and that was uh, that one spread around uh, over social media pretty pretty fast. It was devastating news to hear. So um, again, our our condolences to the family and uh, everybody involved with that. There was also a second tragedy that took place in a little town in Mid Michigan, in Bath, Michigan which is just outside of Lansing, basically in the middle of the state. Uh, Cooper, uh, Cooper Gardner was involved in a play at second base. He was covering second base in order to put a tag on a runner who was stealing and the runner slid into the, to the bag and ended up kneeing uh, Cooper in the head, landed on top of him. Cooper was knocked unconscious for about 40 minutes and uh, they rushed him to the hospital, and he was he was in ICU for about six days. Um, they sent him home, and next thing you know, he passed away at home from complications from his injuries. Uh, so it's something that you don't see very often in the baseball world, and and for us to have. Two tragedies within days of one another is is uh, pretty hard on on everyone in the baseball community, and uh, we want to wish everyone involved with both tragedies. Uh, hope they find the the power they need to move forward and and to to heal. All right. Um, That was a little tough. That was a little tough. Um, let's move on to our next topic here. Um, when a walk-off hit doesn't end the game. And I'm sure those of you that are looking at the screen right now are wondering what, what in the world are we talking about. And uh, Anthony, you want to you wanna fill in everybody on, on what we're talking about here? Yes. So the play we're talking about takes us to the, let me pull this up real quick so I read this right, takes us to the River States Conference Baseball Championship in the NAIA. We have Rio Grande and Midway 
Uh, we'll play this clip in a second. In the bottom of the 11th, two outs, man on second. This is a championship game. So this is uh, – I don't know where in the con- where in the conference No, it was. It was, a, it was a championship game. Okay. So we're going to – yeah, so we'll just run this clip. Um, and I guess just make sure you are paying attention to all of the yeah, guys for, in red. For those of you who haven't seen this video, uh, this, is, this is a head-scratcher. Yeah, so as you can see, guy drills it in the center, drives home the run from second. Team is celebrating, ecstatic. They won the game in extra innings. And as you can see here, absolute confusion ensues. And so, I don't know if you... We want to rewind and point out the glaring. Yeah, let's. Can we <laughs> rewind that and then and, and just pause it right at the 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 point of the infraction that caused this chaos? Yeah. So here's your here's your uh, moment right here. Uh, look right at second base. You're going to see a gentleman in a red jersey and black pants turning around on the second base path. Uh, and he is about what do you say, Rick? A step, step and a half. Yeah, he's shy. probably he's probably yeah, step and a half shy. Now let me let me set up the scenario for you guys. This is the bottom of the eleventh. There's two outs. There's runners at first and second, and they hit a, they get a base hit to center field. The runner from second scores. The runner from second scores, but the runner at first never touches second base. So when that happens, the force play is still on. And if they record the out on a force, the run doesn't count. And that's what happened here. Just a total, just lack of focus. And listen, I get it. The young man was excited. They thought they just won the game. But he didn't complete, quote unquote, the play and step on second. All he had to do was touch it. He could have touched it and ran off. It wouldn't have mattered. But he needed to touch it. Yeah, and you can, if you find the video online, the announcers are more confused than I was the first time I watched this. And you can see relatively quickly that there are certain players that caught on this. I think the second baseman for Midway points it out to the shortstop. I think he just asked him, like, hey, did he touch second base? And I think they figured out, oh, maybe he didn't. And they try to get the ball back from the center fielder and – at the a moment there when they are celebrating, you see one of the guys in red show up in the screen and point like, hey, you got to go touch second base. And by that point there, it was too late. It's kaput. Yeah, it's too late. Well, here, here's one thing, one thing that I noticed about this play, other than the obvious he didn't touch second base. I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about some umpire situations to where they blew calls and didn't do the right thing. But I want to give kudo props, if that's a terminology, to these, this set of umpires. They could have easily walked off the field, too, with the players, but they didn't. You want to know why? Because they knew the rules, and they stayed there, and they stayed there until 
the player touched the base. And then the umpire that was in charge of that, that call made the out like he should have. So kudos to those guys. Yeah, the the umpire second, you can see very – he's staying put. He knows – he's very well aware of what's going on. I think they're – yes, if you see the ump who was near first starts walking off. and the, Right. It seems like at least the guy at second – is locked in and is he's waiting for somebody yep. on other team to touch second base. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you notice that in the videos where the, the first base umpire is walking like the game's over. But the second base umpire, you can see when the people are running by him, he's not vacating his area. He's standing there. A good coach would know when he saw the umpire standing there, something's up. Because that's a, that's a telltale sign that something's up. And I think at least one of the players did because you saw this one of the guys from the bench of the red team flying was like, hey, you got to touch second that, base. That's, that's a heads up by that. That kid will probably grow up and be a coach because that's something that, that you only notice if you're coaching. Why isn't, why isn't the umpires walking off the field? Because when the game's over, the umpires skedaddle. Right. But if he's hanging around. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. So the gentleman that hit the ball was Billy Cooper, right? Was it Billy yes. Cooper? So Billy, here's Billy Cooper thinking that he has just won the game in the bottom of the 11th, um, only to find out that he hasn't. So they have to keep playing. So how many more innings do they go? So this game ends up going to the 13th. Two inning. more. Two more innings. Two more innings. And one, Billy Cooper walks the game off for Rio Grande in the bottom of the 13th inning. So the story has a happy ending. The story has a happy ending thanks to one very clutch player in the NAI baseball world. So not very often do you get two walk-off hits in the same game. We've got four strikeouts in one eight, two walk-offs in the same game. <laughs> two, We're just checking all the odd boxes Two today. walk-offs in the same game. So we talked about this pre-show. The gentleman that didn't touch second base, and we couldn't find his name, um, but how relieved does he feel? Oh, boy. Oh, boy, he is within a big, heavy sigh of relief. He, he might need to he take back the dugout. He might need to take Billy Cooper out, out for a steak dinner. Maybe more than one. And we talked about this, right? So two hits, one win. So the, the blunder didn't hurt them. They ended up winning the game. But had they not won the game, you know, that runner is – something that he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's something uh, you don't forget, your teammates don't forget, coaches don't forget. In a bad way. In a bad, bad, bad way. But now that the result was what it was with them still getting the victory, now they probably sit around and laugh about it. Yeah, and they will remember one Billy Cooper in a very, very good way. And in, and in 20 years, when they have their 20-year reunion, the first thing they're going to say is, hey, remember the time you didn't touch second base and almost – cost us a championship well congratulations to uh rio grande and billy cooper and those guys as they won the championship game in dramatic fashion in more ways than one yes in more ways than one all right um let's go on to our our next topic here and this topic was originally was supposed to be about it's mid-May. 
We are about six weeks away or so from the season being over for the 2021 season, which is which is hard to believe. But most most teams kind of wrap it up in July, early July for the year and, and start looking forward to the following year and tryouts and stuff of that nature. So we were going to talk a little bit about on the show about what you expect when you go to tryouts. What do you look for? Um, and it's really not baseball oriented. I mean, it kind of fits any tryout that you kind of go to, you want to know. And I'm sure, you know, I'll throw it to you, Grassi here is you're going to be a dad at some point, at some point, right? We're not, we're not letting no news out of the bag here. No breaking news. (laughs) At some point you're going to be a dad. So what would you think would be important to you? You take your son to a tryout. What, what are you looking for? I would think, the coach is probably one one A or one B. Uh, sure. Given the style of the coach, what he can teach your son on and off the field. Um, sure, that's two good two good answers. The fit for your player in the f- roster of where they fit. In the batting order, in the field, in the rotation, whatever it may be, um, I imagine that has become more of a important issue as uh, people are trying out for either the same team or a different team in preparation for the following season. Um, and I think there's probably some element of, depending on the player, what the schedule or the coach has the idea or organization has the idea of what the schedule will look like given that's a good one as a multi-sport athlete what my as when i was as a younger kid um what the what you are aspiring to accomplish yeah that's a good one that's Um, that's a real good one especially as i mean we've talked about this before and we will probably talk about it again the prevalence of single sport players seems to be getting higher as the all of the information and this data on where player where professional players and the player athletes at the highest level what they are doing at the youth level seems to point to that they are yeah. multi sport athletes. Yeah, for um, sure. So those are probably the few that I would throw at the top of the considerations list uh, as a former coach and parent of a youth baseball player yourself. What are you what have you looked for as you've gone through that decision-making process well i i can tell you that you are going to make a good father because you you hit on on pretty much well the big the big topics and i encourage parents when you go to tryouts to talk to the coach don't be afraid to go up and talk to the coach and see what his philosophy is you know, are you a coach that's going to move kids around and play everybody equal amount of time? Or are you someone that's going to play at a higher level and maybe teach the kids that some of them need to learn how to set the bench? Um, because that's a quality that I think all kids need to learn. So talking to the coach after a tryout is is a big thing for me because you got a kind of sense of, of what he's doing if it is a good fit for your son. So that, that's a big one. Um, and if you guys are have some things that you'd like to add to what Anthony said, 
shoot us a message uh, on the Facebook page here, and uh, we'll address them as we go through the through the broadcast. Um, but give us some of the things that you look for when you go to tryouts and what what you expect. Now, one of the things, probably the only thing that you said, Anthony, that I don't agree with is you talked about batting order. That that shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't be a factor whether your kid bats first or bats ninth or, or wherever. That's the coach's decision. It's the coach's call. Yeah, and obviously that'll change from game one to the end of the season sure. and everywhere in between. Um, I guess I probably should be more precise than that in saying whether, I guess to your point, whether the coach has what his idea of setting the lineup would be and if he's going to move players around or if he's going to set his, you know, have his set lineup of guys. Yeah. Um, but I guess more so that was, I was trying to say the position as far as in the field, if they're going to move guys around or if. Yeah. Okay. Guys slotted in this guy's playing shortstop. This guy's playing. Yeah. And it's the younger ages. You don't, you don't want to pigeonhole these, these guys would, in, into these. Agree. But I, I think as you start to, we've, I would think we've seen as kids get older that, becomes more prevalent it, and does. it seems like that is creeping down as well as the uh, yeah you know what you're probably right it is creeping down it's i don't not, i don't like it well yeah and it depends it depends all on situation it depends on the team it depends on what what they're playing in that weekend like if you're playing in the travel ball national championships it might kind of influence whether you're moving guys around or being a little experimental whereas if that's the last event you're playing in the season and, and it changes a little bit. and you're making a good point um, and that's one of the points I wanted to touch on is if if a coach is treating his lineup in a normal everyday weekend tournament the same way he would treat it at the travel ball national championships, then you really got to look and see if that's a good fit for you. Um, because, you know, he's he's clearly not going to try to develop players and get them accustomed to different positions and stuff like that. So. You know that's important when you're looking looking for a team. Um, you hit a big one there, allowing them to play other sports. When I coached, I was a big believer in having multi-sport athletes on my team because they were athletic. You know, they proved they could do more than just play baseball or football or basketball or whatever the case may be. And some coaches are are not allowing these kids to play other sports. You know, they're kind of drawing the line in the sand, and and I never agreed with that. I always wanted kids to play other sports. And keep in mind, you know, during during the fall, for example, it's football season. So when I coached in the fall, I expected my kids to commit to football. And if they weren't doing nothing, then come to baseball practice, you know, I didn't want you sitting home playing Xbox or Call of Duty or whatever the, the, the term, the game is, the hot game now is now. Come on out and we're going to practice, you know, baseball. And once you get into the winter time, that was basketball season. And you know what? Basketball comes first. But when you come to spring, I expected the same courtesy back. It's baseball season now. So I expect you to play baseball. Um. Does the team travel? That's a big one. Yes. That's a big one that, you that again, you need to talk to the coach because you, you may be a player in a family that just has no desire to travel. You're fine with playing every weekend as long as it's local. You can drive back and forth to the games and stay at home in your own bed every night. 
<clears throat> but there's some teams out there that they want to travel every weekend because that's just what they do. Nothing wrong with it. I've made a lot of good friends traveling with my son, traveling with the teams that I've coached, going to the hotels, sitting around by the pool. Uh, you make a lot of a lot of friends doing that, so there's nothing wrong with it. Some teams find a good mix and a good balance. They'll tell you we're going to travel once or twice. <clears throat> Some will tell you we're going to travel seven or eight. I've had kids that didn't play for me in the past because they didn't want to travel. I've also had kids come to me and play for me and leave other teams because they did want to travel. So you have to find that fit, fit for you and your family. Yes. And families consist a lot of times of more than just one child. And my daughter got drug around to a lot of baseball games. But in turn, in fairness to her, as she got older, she was into gymnastics. I drug my son to gymnastics meets in the wintertime. And he hated every minute of it. Hated every minute of it. But it was equal. But it was equal. So it kind of showed him, you know, both worlds. So we're curious, curious to see what, what you guys look for when you're, when you're coaching. Cost. There's another one. Very Cost big. is a big factor. Well, travel kind of plays into that as well. Travel kind of plays into that. You know, these, these big organizations, and you have to be careful when, when you're looking at a program, are, are you going to play for an organization that has a high cost because they have a big fancy building that they got to pay for? And that happens a lot. So, you know, make sure you know what your money's going to when you try out for a team and you make sure you know where the, the budget lies. It can be as expensive as some of these organizations charge you $3,000, $3,500 to play for the year. And some organizations do it for $1,200. And it makes you wonder, well, why is one $2,000 more than the other one? And then you see the big fancy building that they got that they go in there and they hit in. And the, the rent that thing ain't cheap. And the team is probably charging you $1,200, does not have a building, and they're outside all the time. Right. I'm not saying one's any more right or wrong than the other. But financially, you have to find something that fits for you and your family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, playing time, again, everything I'm telling you goes back to communication with the coach. Don't be surprised. And whatever you do when you try out for a team and you choose that team for the year, stick it out. Stick it out. You're not teaching your kid anything by walking away, running away, team hopping. You're going to get a reputation. Nobody's going to want you. But you made a commitment for that year. You know, uh, abide by it. Now, short of I don't know, child abuse or... Extenuating circumstances. Extenuating circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just chalk it up to life's experiences and, and stick it out. And who knows? Things may turn around in a week or two or three weeks. Sometimes they never do turn around. But at least you've shown your kid that you've committed to something, that you've played it, and, and to stick with it. So that's one of my, my big pet peeves with, with the high-level travel ball world. There's not much loyalty. And it's both ways. I'm not blaming one side or the other, but there's not much loyalty between the players and the coaches and and so forth. So I know I'll tell you a quick story. Back when I was coaching, um, one of the players left midseason from another team. Good player. I'd have loved to have him on my team. And he actually came to me in the middle of the season, and I wouldn't take him. I said, you know what? 
I, I don't have no room for you this year and you don't come and try out in the fall and, and then we'll talk about it. And his parents were kind of put off by it and he never come back in the fall. So it wasn't a kid for me anyway. You know, something like that happens. Well, part of that, I guess, on the from the coach's side is up front, setting the expectations so and sticking to the expectation once you set it. So throughout the year, everybody knows what they signed up for and they know what to expect throughout the season. Yeah, that's a great message, Anthony, for the coaches. You know, we're, we're sitting here giving parents uh, messages on what they can look for in their tryouts. But you coaches, you know, at the tryout, get your parents together. Thank them. First and foremost, for bringing their son out to your tryout. They have hundreds of teams to choose from, and they took up their time and day to come try out for you. And in that, tell them what they can expect from you. Tell them that we're going to travel six times a year. Or tell them we're not traveling at all. Um, and that goes a long way with those families as well. Yeah, and in the I mean, coaches that I've talked to, and that is not a – bountiful amount but at a high level that seems to be the when I when I ask them what the you know key to successful relationships with parents to make sure that parents aren't disgruntled halfway through the season and trying to leave and bad talking you behind your back to try to get three of the kids to go to this team sure that happens a lot five you to go start this team with these other guys is setting the expectation so everybody knows what the deal is when you set out yeah day one that happens a lot well not and obviously people get disgruntled for any number of reasons but as long as you know where you stand to start if you're standing in the same spot at the end nobody can really fault you for it yeah and and find out um find out the makeup of the team too that's and that's another big thing the makeup of the team because the society we're in right now they have the great eligible kids that sometimes they're a year older and we've talked about that on this show and I hate it. And, and I'm telling you guys right now, for those of you that are listening, I'm telling you right now that TBS is taking a real hard look at changing our rule for next year of not allowing great eligible kids. And I'd like to challenge the other organizations to take the same stand you know, uh, U-Triple-S-A and, you know, Game Day and uh, AAU, um, who else am I missing? Um, PG, you know, I challenge you guys, take the stand. Let's, let's all of us in the youth organization do what's right and change this, this rule and do not allow great eligible kids to play. I can tell you right now, I'm willing to do it. Um, but I can't do it alone. I need, I need some help. I need some other people. So find out what the makeup of the team is and and because that, that will make a difference in, in what you do as well. But the point of this, and we got sidetracked a little bit, and that was supposed to be the whole topic of this or the conversation of this topic was what to expect in tryouts. But in the last week, Anthony, I have seen on social media that people are already posting tryouts for the 2022 season. And we're not done with 2021 yet. That is a bit odd. It's, it's a little. troubling. I guess they want to have all the kids available to them. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's nothing worse than anything. You've got anybody that's lame duck, a lame duck president, a lame duck employee, lame duck anything. 
And a recipe for disaster is lame duck youth baseball players. Like they finish out the season and, you know, you had a tryout and, well, you didn't make the team for 2022. And I'm sure some coaches wait till after the season's over. But people talk. People are not stupid. Yeah. They, they know if they're going to be on the team for next year or not. And if you know you're not going to be on the next team, why finish out the six weeks then? That's the, a great question. Then you go look for another team. But, man, I, I wish coaches would get together and not do tryouts and, until July. Or if you want to announce them, announce them that they're going to be trying out, you know, July 7th or 8th or whatever the case may be. But to say that you're going to try out in May or even early June, man, I just don't get that. I don't really either, but we're not the ones making that call, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if it happens in other sports. I, I, I don't know. They're trying out during the season? Yeah, towards the end of the season. Um. And, and I know what somebody's going to say. I know what somebody's going to say. Well, just because most teams are done in July, we're done May 31st. Yeah. And I guess that's a good argument. I mean, their season's over, so why wouldn't they have a tryout for the next season? Yeah, because it makes, it makes if, if that is the case, then it makes sense for them that they can just kind of roll that May, hypothetical May 31st into yeah. tryouts, into getting the roster set, into practice and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, it, it just, it's not a good look, you know, and I, I wish that I would stop seeing it on social media that they're posting tryouts, but, you know, teach their own, we can't control them. Um, but, uh, you know, just be mindful of, of what you're doing and your timing on it. And anyway, that's, that's all I've, I've got on that issue. And um, unfortunately, look at the time, we're, we're, Running late again. Uh, we've gotten off on this. I, I want to talk about this Tommy John topic here uh, in great length. I don't want to shorten it. So for that reason, we're going to we're going to bounce the Tommy John segment until the next week because I, I really want to get into this and the effects that it have on on baseball as a whole, all the way down to the youth level. So that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. I want to remind everyone, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us tonight. And I want to remind everyone that next week we will do our ranking show midseason. And we will do 9 through 13 for our midseason ranking. So hopefully everyone can, can tune in and join us for, for, uh, for the lineup next week. And for now, I'm Rick Goff, your host, joined by my co-host, Anthony Grassi. I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in tonight, and we will see everyone back here same time, 7 p.m. on the lineup.